Hub sessions took place at the 2020 Airport Experience Conference in Denver. We share them with you now, courtesy of Plaza Premium Group, the Hub Session sponsor. This Hub Session features a conversation with Dr. Keith Aqua, Chief Medical Officer at Mile High Labs. So, um, Keith, I'm not, I'm not an expert. I don't know how many people are out there, but can you just give us a little bit of background about what you do, your, how you got into the space, et cetera? Sure, so can everybody hear me okay? Okay, so first, before I go into CBD, I wanna give you a little bit of background of what I bring to the table, because I think when you're listening to somebody speak, it's important to know what their perspective is. So I am actually a practicing physician in Florida. I've been practicing medicine for 30 years, and over the last two years, I have partnered with several companies in the United States and around the world to advance research and knowledge on what are called cannabinoids. Cannabinoids are molecules that come from a genus of plant called cannabis sativa. And everything we're gonna talk about today is gonna to be about CBD, which is not THC. There is no high from this. So I bring in a clinical perspective as somebody who practices medicine every day. I'm gonna leave this conference this afternoon and go back and see my patients in Florida tomorrow morning. So I approach what I'm saying both as a doctor, but also as a patient. And when we put it into perspective of what we're doing here in this conference, that we have clients, we have consumers, and we have travelers. And how can we educate the individuals here, as well as the consumers that are buying product, to make sure that they're getting a safe product? Part of my background is I've also worked in the pharma industry for over 20 years, being what's called a principal investigator, meaning I have done the research for FDA-approved clinical trials for all the companies that are probably in some of your portfolios. So Pfizer and Merck and Amgen and all of the companies that bring the drugs that we take every day. So I bring in a clinical perspective, I bring in a research perspective, and I was fortunate enough to get involved with companies like Mile High Labs, who is located here in Broomfield and Boulder, Colorado, to advance the world knowledge and the scientific understanding of how CBD can be used as a consumer, as a client, and for those here, how they can bring it to the world of airports, which to me as an outsider is like a little city. They're like a microcosm of the world. Exactly. And how do we bring this safely? How do we bring it efficiently? And how do we bring it in a cost-effective manner? So I'm gonna kind of bring, come from that perspective. Oh, perfect, perfect. So I guess for the uninitiated, you know, what exactly is CBD and, and its applications? Right. I guess. So that's a great question. So CBD stands for cannabidiol is the second uh, molecule in the amount that comes from that plant, the hemp plant. And if you go back to December of 2018, our federal government uh, passed what's called the Farm Bill, which allowed farmers to start growing hemp. And hemp then turned into processing and developing CBD. So over the last 15 to 16 months, this molecule, cannabidiol, has been touted as kind of the cure-all of everything. So the question that consumers have is this snake oil or is this real? And if it is real, how do we use it? How do we take a dose? I have 40 other doctors that practice in my group, and I know that if you came as a patient and said to them, I really learn, I'm learning about CBD and I wanna take it, what dose should I take and how would it be good for me? Forget about the airport setting, but as just a patient on one-on-one -on -one with your doctor, most physicians would not know. Most veterinarians would not know how to take care of that for your dog. Podiatrists, orthopedists, pharmacists, they don't have an understanding of this. So this is the beginning of an initiation of how we can use this molecule, cannabidiol, and then how it interacts with our body to get the desired effects. So I've seen it everywhere. I'm sure everyone has as well. You can go to a convenience store that touts CBD of some kind, a gum or 
whatever. I mean, you're able to kind of discern between what is good or quality versus what is kind of like an imitation or I guess uh, a watered down version, I, guess. I don't know. Right, so right. CBD has to be uh, produced or manufactured. If you're doing it from the hemp plant, you're gonna cultivate it. Um, there are a lot of different types of consumers. There are consumers that are just gonna buy something because their grandma tried it and helped them sleep. There are consumers that wanna know everything from farm to table. In our industry, it's from seed to sale. So where was it cultivated? Was it cultivated in the United States? Are there any min minerals that are, shouldn't be in there? Are there toxins? Are there metals? Are there things that could even be cancer forming? So not to scare people, but I think before we get into selling CBD as a molecule sure. to people, uh, we have to have an understanding of how it's gonna interact with our body. So we've known about this, this kind of molecule for a long time, um, but in the 1990s, we started to understand how it interacts with our body. And that's what's called the endocannabinoid system. It's a system that kind of, if we wanna say what it would really do, it kind of causes homeostasis. It makes us wanna be happy. It tells us when we're full or not full. If we have some type of insult to our body, how do we manage that insult? Whether I twisted my ankle or I'm anxious just sitting up here doing a, a talk, could I take CBD to actually help me with social anxiety? Could it help me with sleep if I'm not sleeping and my body needs some restorative uh, property or molecule? I'm careful of how I use my words because CBD has been FDA approved in the United States for pediatric seizure disorder. So it actually is labeled as a drug. So in the United States, there's a weird, I'm calling it weird because I'm a practicing physician. There's three different groups of ways we put things in our body. There's over-the-counter, which we could say is Motrin and Advil and Tylenol and things like that. There are supplements or food substances, novel foods or dietary ingredients. And then there are drugs. Very rarely in the United States does something go backwards from being FDA approved as a drug to then now we all want to consume it as a food substance to put in alcohol or our Gatorade, uh, put it in our gummy bears, put yeah. it in our tinctures, the drops that we put under our mouths. So I'm kind of going all over the map no, to no, your no, question. It's not. Yeah. Um, but the endocannabinoid system, which we discovered in the 90s, is that system that looks for homeostasis, makes us not too happy and not too sad. We get enough rest, not too much rest. We want to have balance. Our body is always trying to find balance. So again, there's the clinical scenario. If I twist my ankle, I'm going to put a, hot, a cold compress on it. Am I going to rub a CBD cream into it? Am I going to take ibuprofen or Advil, which is uh, you know Motrin or things like that? Uh, or am I going to do CBD for wellness? Am I going to take it every day as a supplement, like I may take uh, multiple vitamins or omega-3s or things like that? So there's a lot of different ways that we can have CBD interact with our body and the receptors and the molecules. Again, I realize I'm speaking to a lay, a lay audience here. I'm used to speaking to scientists and doctors. And let me also preface and say, I'm not a PhD in biology. I am not a PhD in chemistry. And even though I work with the government, and I have a lot of ideas of what the USDA and the DEA and the FDA are gonna do in the future, I, I don't represent them as well. No, so, sure. uh, but when how, how we use CBD into our body uh, and what dose should we take is a very individual thing. So you just mentioned a lot about of its uses for, you know, for anxiety and things like that. Right. I interviewed someone on a podcast about a, almost a year ago. He was a cannabis chef and he created his own butters and the oils for food uh, tasting events that he created. And there was like, I guess, a whole subculture around it. And there's a, a taste. I don't know. But from what I've been told, I guess if there's some benefits to it other than getting high in some ways. Right. right? I mean, is that 
a proper use of it, or is that kind of selling the waters and perpetuating the, um, I guess, the our, our conceptions of what it is because we kind of don't really understand it. Right. So you can't make claims with CBD. You can't say, I took 100 milligrams of CBD and I will I sleep better. Um, it, there are a lot of studies out there that show that CBD and cannabinoids like CBD can assist with sleep. So how it is marketed is very important. So are we using this for a, a, a very desired effect or are we going back to uh, using it just for wellness? Now we do know scientifically based on animal models and what we do in the lab and some human models that CBD can be uh, an anxiolytic, meaning it will help you with anxiety. We know it can be an anti-inflammatory. We know that it can be used well for our, our brain and our central nervous system. So. Again, the example of pediatric seizures, um, it's being researched for concussion, traumatic brain injury. The NFL and uh, athletes sure. are looking at it. The World Anti-Doping Agency in 2018 now said that CBD is not being used as a performance enhancing drug. So you're seeing soccer stars and hockey players and NFL athletes all starting to embrace CBD. So anxiolytic, anti-inflammatory, neuroprotective. Uh, we believe that it's also good for our bowel. We believe that it's good for our skin. So there's a lot of research going on in the world. There's a pharmaceutical company in Australia called Botanics that is actually getting approval for things like acne and rosacea and what's called pruritus, which is itching. Um, and right now there are some airports that do have some topical CD, CBD yeah. products. Um, and, and that's interesting to me because for somebody who's a consultant in this injury, uh, injury in, the, in this uh, industry, yes. um, I wanna make sure, and one of the reasons I believe that Ramon asked me to come here today is how can I help concessions and how can I help airports bring CBD to an audience in a safe way? Because I think if you start ingesting it in, in foods, you know, foods and colas and certainly alcohol, which is illegal in the United States, um, it has to be done responsibly. It, you have to partner with somebody that will say, okay, this is going to be done in a safe way that there's no impurities, there's no toxins, there's no minerals in there that shouldn't be in there, which is a, a, a unique thing because you do sell alcohol in terminals. Uh, there are things like Motrin and Advil over-the-counter drugs. I keep going back to those because everybody knows what those are. Those are sold over-the-counter. Uh, nobody's knowing if you're selling Motrin and somebody's taking it with kidney failure because non-steroidals are bad for kidneys. So we're in a, a, a new environment and a new world. And I think anything that's new is always looked at with fear and trepidation. And I think some fear and trepidation is good and healthy. You don't want people bringing to the marketplace and to the airport product that is not fully vetted and tested and safe. Uh, and so you have to have somebody, not saying it has so, to be me, but you have to have somebody that's going to look after the interests of not only the concessioneers from a liability standpoint, but what are the patients going to get? Or the consumers. Yeah. Sorry, I'll go back and forth with that. No, no, certainly. And, and one of the reasons why we, I wanted to have you on, of course, is... Uh, listen, I, I speak to a lot of the airports here and many of the operators as well. This is something that we want to carry in our stores um, and if the request has been made. And I know that we are a rather, um, or many of us are a rather um, conservative group in some ways, right? Um, unless people obviously start buying and the, and the customers and consumers demand it. But I think there still seems to be a lot of misconception. I'm just wondering what, what we're getting wrong. Is it the attachment and the negative connotations behind uh, between uh, its attachment with cannabis THC. Uh, the, and, and THC yeah. and CBD. I think that's why it's, we want to like separate the two. Right. And that's kind of one question. The other one, before I forget, is you mentioned about finding someone who can uh, 
certified that it's organic or certified that it's, it's uh, met certain criteria as being clean to be consumed and sold. Is there one that exists so that it kind of puts a little ease in our minds? Right. And, or is that still emerging? Yeah, so you asked, you asked a lot of good questions there. Okay, you can answer them and, all. Uh, yeah, I'll try to get to them and I may forget some. But so to go they back- You should take CBD then. Right, to oh. go to, right, exactly. It's very complicated. It's, it's got, like onions, there's multiple layers. That is multiple layers, okay. Yeah. So certainly there are a lot of manufacturers in the United States and around the world selling a lot of different products. Um, the good companies are going to always stand strong and do well. Those are the companies that do have good manufacturing practice, that they have ISO 9001 certification, which is how labs are looked at and how processing is looked at. Um, certain companies, again, I'm not here to promote the company, that some of them that I consult for, but they do make pharmaceutical grade CBD. And then they actually make the actual isolate, which is the chemical that they then sell to the other companies that make it. So they don't only make the tires for the car, but they also make the, the car as well. And it's very hard to navigate that. It's almost as hard if you want to go and research a doctor. How do you research a doctor that you want to see? You may ask your friend, you may go on Google, uh, you may look at rev online reviews, which are completely worthless, by the way. Um, and it's very hard to research a physician. It's very hard to research the car you're going to purchase. Very hard to research CBD. So in terms of... Because it's, it's still emerging. It's There's still emerging. So there are a lot of players there that just want to enter the market at a very cheap uh, bottom line and sell you something that, again, they may say they have good manufacturing practice, but they don't really embrace what that means. And they're just trying to make a quick score. I would certainly recommend as a consultant to stay away from those companies and go to companies that have a longer track record. Um, so that, that's how I would uh, approach one of the questions. Where are they? Well, the other one uh, I, I mentioned again was just us as, uh, I guess, taking the demystifying things, taking the oh, right, thoughts right. behind it. Right. But, so but, and, then, and then obviously then translating that so that a lot of these airports can start beginning to, can start right. carrying the products that are certified right. as being So what's confusing is this is made, if it's not synthetically made, it is made from the cannabis sativa plant. So of course, cannabis is in the name. So cannabis in a lot of our minds is equated with THC. THC is the part of the plant and the part of the substance that will make you high. Cannabidiol will not make you high. And to be part, call it, to call it hemp, it has to be less than 0.3% THC per weight. Okay, so you, that's the only thing you would be interested in. You can have a 100% THC, um, THC free, which is synthetic, or it can be made from the plant, but that's something that you would have to research what's out there, what airport restrictions you would have. And then you also mentioned how, what's some confusion, why is this not getting into airports? And I think a lot of that has to do with compliance and with regulatory. Uh, the FDA has not decided yet how they're ultimately gonna classify and regulate CBD. We know it's not the same kind of drug as heroin or Percocets or what you would get post-operatively opioids. Um, but we do know that it has a classification that makes people very uncomfortable. So they're nervous about introducing this. My role as a consultant would be to how do we dispel some of those myths? There are some myths that are true about safety, but how do we navigate what's a safe product for your customers, but debunk some of those myths? Um, and the FDA, I do believe they said in October they were going to come down with some regulation. They said in February they were going to come down with some regulation. I think they're going to back off from that. I think Congress is going to come and, and, and kind of dictate some things because the hemp farmers now have more hemp than they know what to do with. And again, that's getting away from what we're here to talk about. But yet that's the background of why the FDA is having difficulty regulating this. They know they're not going to take it out of the shelves. Uh, the head of the FDA just spoke literally two days ago and said, we know that the horse is out of the barn. 
We know that there's a demand from consumers. How do we get that get safe product to the consumers? How do we work with the good companies? How do we discern what the good companies are? Um, and how do we kind of go from there? So part of it is the myth of being associated with THC. Part of it's the myth of, are we selling a drug in the airports? And the answer is no. You want to look at this as a uh, almost like a chemical or a, a molecule, much like the salt you may have put on whatever you had for breakfast. That's a molecule. That's a compound. Again, it doesn't carry the weight and the sophistication of what CBD brings to the table. But I try to simplify it in terms of this is just something like anything else uh, that's really not harmful. The nice thing about CBD is you can't overdose on it. And that's why a lot of individuals are looking at it to try to help solve our opioid crisis. So if you talk to people that are in halfway houses or doctors like me who do surgery, who are prescribing opioids post-operatively, post I think there's a place for CBD for patients to take it before they have surgery. It'll lessen their pain after and it'll decrease their reliance on opioids after. So there's so many different avenues that CBD yeah. can be used. Again, maybe not all applicable to this audience, but if you learn more of the breadth of what CBD can do, you will realize that, hey, maybe this is something we really should be selling to this very secure market and the number of millions of people that enter all of the airports that I've heard about over the last 24 hours, that they're being deprived of this, but they need to get it in a safe way that you as, as providers of it and consumers can get. Well, how far away are we from getting um, an organization or some sort of process that can put a rubber stamp on these things and make it safe and so that we are all comfortable in carrying it in our stores and right and so well if it's if it's who makes it we have plenty of companies that make very reliable products if it's but the, are they certified like also, this all, there's no actual it. certification but there are processes in place like the iso 9001 the good manufacturing practice there are you know in in theory these places should be audited by the fda and the dea and the usda and there are a lot of other alphabet soup that are government regulatory bodies uh, that, that oversee botanicals and naturals and things like that. There are a lot of ways that audits can take place that quality companies will go through. But the rubber stamp from the government, both our guess is as good as anybody else, is when the FDA is gonna come down and say, this is the process that a manufacturer has to do, that a um, reputable business that's gonna sell CBD has to do. What I would tell you is do not go to your local street fair, do not go to <laughs> Too late for that. Um, you know, yes. your, your, your beer and bourbon fests to one of their boots because they're telling you that it was harvested from a small farm outside of Portland, Oregon, because about the, the cannabis plant is it, it absorbs all the minerals and everything from the, from the ground. And again, I'm not a botanist, but I know that that's what gets into the plant. And if you don't take out all of those impurities and metals and even carcinogens, um, you, you have to be really careful. One of the recent things that was out there for... I know as a dad, I'm not the one applying sunscreen to my kids, so I'm looking at all the moms in the room here, but there was major sunscreens that were just taken off the market because they found out after 20 years that they were potentially causing skin cancer. So the topicals that we were putting on our bodies 20 years later are finding out maybe we're actually making it worse. So there's a lot to be learned about this. This is a very sophisticated injury. Uh, in, I keep coming back to injury. Injury. Uh, so I, I, I'm it's the lack you, of CBD. I'm gonna tell you my right true now. nature as I'm an OBGYN. So we live in fear of the word of injury every day. Um, so you have to be, we have to be careful about what we bring, but what we learn over decades of use. This hub session is sponsored by Plaza Premium Group. Plaza Premium Group is the pioneer and industry leader in providing premium airport hospitality services, such as lounges, hotels, meet and greet services, 
and dining in over 160 locations in 45 international airports across the world. The goal? Make travel better. Plaza Premium Lounge is an independent lounge that gives travelers a haven away from the hustle and bustle of the airport. Travelers experience comfortable seating, enticing food and beverage, private resting suites, VIP rooms, Wi-Fi, and more. Don't your travelers deserve a home away from home? Sure they do. For more information on how to bring a Plaza Premium Lounge to your airport, visit plazapremiumgroup.com. Plaza Premium Group. We make travel better. So, uh, when you go into a convenience store, if you see the stores on the side with the big waving signs and the guy spitting the arrow and all that stuff, I mean, you see CBD sold here. Does that make you cringe? Because that seems to be right in line with the stuff that you're saying to stay away from, from the... Uh, the Renaissance fairs or wherever you find right. these things. I, I think it depends. Okay. I think it depends on the brand. I, I don't want to diss everybody. There are some very reputable people that are heavily invested intellectually, monetarily. This is a, a multi-billion-dollar industry. The cosmetic industry is for CBD is predicted in 2021 to be as upward of two billion dollars. The topical industry, 1.9 billion dollars. Um, we're not even talking about gummies and tablets and tinctures. So the players are very real. The money behind it is very real. So there are, there are some very good people, scientific, intellectual people doing research around the world in a lot of things like migraine headaches, schizophrenia, bipolar depression. So there are, there are good things out there. Um, you have to have an understanding of what you need and what you're searching for, both as a client and as a seller. Um, and is it a, a quality establishment? And not all, not all things are created equal. So, and then there's the adage too, what makes a successful business in an airport? Um, if you're gonna sell um, uh, CBD, it may not work in every airport. Maybe, you know, that's not the, the right patient mix. If you're gonna do electronics, right now you would fail electronics if you're going into big box uh, stores in your community and not, and, but maybe it would be successful in a terminal that has a lot of uh, activity in it. So CBD in itself, just because it may have some unbelievable properties for patients and, and for travelers, it may not work in every setting. So it has to be you know, looked at both from a science side and as a business side. And that's kind of what I try to bring to the table as a consultant is to say, you know, is this the right marketplace? What's the volume of people? How much money are they, money are they spending? Is this the kind of thing that they're gonna forget at home and be like, oh my God, I can't go through two at TSA because I have so much anxiety. Uh, I wanted to sleep on this 14-hour flight to Seoul, Korea, which no one's going to Seoul, Korea now, nope. but maybe in the next three months. Um, so, and if I can also take a step back and say that 80% of the purchase of CBD, at least in the United States, is for pain, anxiety, and sleep. So that's 80%. So pain can be cancer or non-cancer pain. It could be rheumatoid arthritis or osteo or something like that. Obviously, we live in a highly anxious world. Uh, they're one of the only good studies that was actually done in humans was for social anxiety disorder before you get on a stage. They looked at 100 individuals doing a presentation and they gave them a certain amount of CBD and they did 100 individuals that did the same presentation and did not take CBD and the CBD actually lowered their performance anxiety. So that's getting extrapolated into social anxiety and generalized anxiety. And if I look out in this audience here of maybe 60 or 70 people, I can guarantee that 25 to 30 individuals, if not more, are on some type of antidepressant or anti-anxiety. And if you could sub some of that out to add CBD to it, 
then we would have less of a dependence on drugs. You I just said that and anymore. everyone's looking around left and right and behind them, by and the way. Everybody's on something. We live yes. in a pill society. So what makes one pill okay and another thing not okay is all in our heads and how we approach it and the knowledge that we have behind it. So that's what I try to approach as a physician with my own patients. And that's how I try to approach my consulting with businesses. And this is a very unique market. I've always been intrigued by the airport market because again, it's a market that you have a very restricted patient population for a very restricted amount of time. And that's something you have to understand when you come in as a vendor, because you're gonna fail if you do it the wrong way. You may love CBD, but if you launch it the wrong way, not gonna work. Well, we are a very unique environment, as you can tell, and uh, you, you work with uh, Eileen and Iris and Miguel on this stuff, so they, they can tell you exactly what I'm gonna tell you. It's, we're a government-regulated business sure. or industry, and so that's why I keep asking about when is this gonna get certified? When is there gonna be a board that gets created to make sure and rubber stamp that these are safe right. to carry in our stores and let alone be consumed. Yeah. And that's what I'm getting at because once you put the, uh, you can allay those fears, I think it'll start, start popping up. Now, obviously it's not gonna be like, you know, Jim Bob CBD, come and drop and let's, you know, make it happen. Right. But it's gonna be something that like, at least looks medicinal, looks legitimate, and obviously it's been tested and approved. And that's what I feel like the barrier that we need to cross in some ways. Right. But looking nationally though, like, uh, before we get into like the actual getting the retail, you touched a little bit about it. Like what does the data look like um, that you've seen in terms of like um, its use, its acceptance, maybe I know it's opinion more, but like how people are seeing it. People are voting to approve not just medicinal and, but also recuse. Right. So there seems to be a tide flowing in, in the right direction. The tide, the tide is there for sure. The tide is to be more towards plant derived, natural botanical products. Mm -hmm. So that is certainly a way um, certainly with how we're consuming our, our, our diets, moving away from uh, products that are synthesized and manufactured uh, to being more, again, you mentioned the vegan and the gluten-free sure. and how our, our fish are pre prepared and caught and how we, we look at all that. To go back to the stamp of approval and the certification, the real companies are begging for the appropriate regulatory bodies to get the bad players out of the market. And I would say, and I have, I, unfortunately my guess is good as yours, I would say that the FDA probably won't significantly react until the next six months to two years. I could be wrong and they come out with a statement in two weeks, but I think that they're being very cautious because they don't wanna step on the toes of Congress. They don't wanna um, interfere with the DEA that's already moved CBD out of the same category as marijuana. Um, and so there's a lot of minefields out there for the FDA. They don't wanna, insult the business people that are that are, are, are the good players in the field. Um, so I think that rubber stamp is not gonna happen. And I think it's gonna take a little bit of education and that transparency that I mentioned about talking to the right people, whether it's legislation um, at the state courthouse level, whether it's the executive directors of the airport um, that may have to respond to other people and outside influences and they're nervous about bringing CBD as a product and educating them and saying, now, this is no different and actually has less risk than what's already in the terminals only because it's new and it's not regulated, right? Alcohol is regulated by departments. Doesn't mean it's perfect. How do we know that someone didn't get on a plane with six drinks that they just had in the terminal? So there's a lot of inconsistencies with what's going on in our world and in our marketplace and how do we change those inconsistencies? So I kind of danced around your answer. You did. But because I don't have that answer, but I do believe that at some point there has to be that regulatory stamp so that the good players can survive. Could I compare it to like vitamins, everyday vitamins? Cause I, you know, as a kid, I ate my weight in like Flintstones and 
You know, it's not supposed to be positive, but you hear about certain vitamins that are not FDA approved, but yet they're still carried commercially. Right. Uh, so know, there are some natural and botan botanicals, um, you know, St. John's Ward, turmeric, um, uh, ginkgo biloba that are uh, you know, botanicals that people want to add as supplements. The word vitamin has a very specific uh, connotation to it. So there's supplements, there's vitamins, there's minerals. I personally believe that CBD is something that we should have for our overall wellness. Because if you go back to what I said about injury, um, the way CBD works in our body is it, it finds microscopic injury and it works on demand. So, sorry, my nose is running here from the coldness. Oh, what? But he was in search prior to coming up on stage. Yeah, that's what, what, right. I, what do you have in there? No, it's okay. It's okay. Okay. So yeah. it works on demand. So if we have a cold or we have a flu, then what we need is CBD to be around there all the time as a wellness ingredient. So on a microscopic level that we have some injury, uh, it may not be that twisted ankle, like I said, but that it could be used as a mineral or a vitamin or a supplement in that way. So if you said that CBD could cure Corona, it would it's, not <laughs> be happen. almost immediate application. It's yeah, not, not, not going to happen. Not We're not making happen. that claim. No claims. We're being yeah. recorded, but no, there are no claims like that at, at all. And I'm so, not the Corona expert either. No, no, not, not that Corona. Yeah, at least thank you I so understand. Much. <laughs> she saw me struggling here. It's all right. Sorry, go ahead. It's hand sanitizer now. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> Expert. Um, so now let's transition to uh, stores, retails in air, uh, retail units in the airports. What is the path forward here? What is the what form do the CBD take in that uh, a lot of the retailers and airports are comfortable with carrying and selling? Yeah, uh, in their fantastic question. I, I think the way is you have to break down some barriers. You have to break down the regulatory barriers of who's making the decisions at the airport. You have to break down some barriers as who's in charge of bringing in uh, and in charge of concessions at the airport. I think you have to not instill fear of doing it wrong, but instill some anxiety that it needs to be done right. So I think there needs to be some partnerships and an educational process of, of what needs to be brought in. There's a, a word that I have avoided um, so far, which is called bioavailability. Bioavailability is the word that means if we put this on our body in some way, whether it's a nasal spray, you're ingesting it, it's going under the tongue, you're rubbing it into your skin, which is already in some terminals, how much of that actually gets into your skin? I mean, sorry, into your blood screen, how much is actually working? So if uh, something that's bioavailable of 10%, if you take 100 milligrams, four 25 milligram gummies, only about six to 10% of that's actually gonna get into your blood. So those that may have tried some gummies and say that doesn't work for me, it's probably not the right dose. Okay, so the barriers are finding the right people, educating, and then bringing in products that are the right products for the consumers in the airports, uh, partnering with, with individuals and companies that know what is safe, doesn't have the impurities and toxins. I'm not so worried about somebody taking uh, CBD and having a seizure on the airplane, because as a matter of fact, it helps prevent seizures. But I am worried about, you know, when this is launched, you always want their things to go well. You don't want there to be problems. But if you think about how many years, how many decades these products have been used, I think last year there was between 20 and 25 million people that bought CBD, at least from stores that you could track it. And there are no major things that go wrong. In medicine, we call it morbidity. Nobody went for ER visits because they had heart attacks from CBD. It didn't change their heart rates. It didn't change their EKG. It didn't change anything about their vital signs. Well, that that's would what I was going to ask, worries. because it, it, it takes one case. Well, does it not to all of a sudden 
undo and reverse takes, all the good that it takes it's, one so. case but i was talking to a lot of people yesterday and if you look at other things you look at trouble you know some some marketing troubles that starbucks had you look at what chipotle went through with e coli and some of their things if you have a solid brand and if you have a good message and even things like what happened with e coli and chipotle in multiple states they didn't fold so they you know they had to deal with food substances they had to deal with you know bacteria that got into their products so Yes, you always worry about that. But again, you're less likely to have a problem than with some of the food vendors that are here with peanut allergies and other things that people may not even be aware that they have. So you know, so what form do we take? Do we, is it just going to be drops, oils, uh, creams, uh, inhaler sprays? Uh, well, I think there's a certain percentage of people that will want to get at the airport what they let it, left at home. Again, if I'll go back to electronics and I left my charger at home uh, or something like that, I'm going to pay uh, for a purchase in the airport, probably for more money than I'm going to get it on amazon.com. So there's people that forget things. There's people that are going to say uh, they're afraid of traveling and anxiety is a huge component in, in this marketplace that they're going to want to get this before they get on an airplane or get in some of the sleep pods that are around here today to try to bring it back down to the conference. You know, it would be a great idea to partner with the sleep pods, you know, and say, hey, not only are you going to get into our industry, but I'm going to have this product available for you to help you go to sleep in an environment that's not your bed. Um, so it could be somebody who does want to sleep, somebody that has anxiety, somebody that may be nervous that they have a bad knee and they're, they couldn't upgrade to uh, you know, business class and they're six foot three and their knees are going to be hitting the, the tray in front of somebody and they don't want to hurt their knees and they, have an, they want to have, take something for an anti-inflammatory. Now, those are very individual circumstances. But for me, again, as a consultant, I'm going to look at somebody who comes to me and says, I'm really interested in CBD. You know, how can I get it to BWI or PBI or Orlando? How can I bring it responsibly, you know, so my consumers and my airport will benefit and the airports will benefit. This is a looked at as a $20 billion industry by 2023. I've even seen higher numbers than that. So to miss out on those revenues because of fear and lack of education, which is why we have a lot of bad things in our society because of fear and a lack of education, then we can move forward on something that's as simple as a product that's been around for 40 years. We just haven't classified it and manufactured it in a way that we could bring it to mass consumption. So my last question is going to be, I'm going to split it up into uh, two parts. Um, would want you to look to the future as far as the legal demand uh, aspect of CBD. What you think will happen, or I guess like to happen, or what is, seems to be likely to happen. Right. So I think what's going to happen is this already- This is your opinion. Your, right. what you, no, well, you I'll tell you what's not even opinion. CBD oh, sure. is out there. There is a demand for CBD. Um, in my space, they're already working on the next alphabet soup, which is CBG. If anybody has any level of knowledge, CBN, there is about 100 to 140 phytocannabinoids that come from this plant. So for the people that are making money in the venture capitalists of the world, they're already moving on to the next CBD. That's not what we're going to talk about so, here. So is it possible then that if we're moving on to the next CBD, that by the time we are able to adopt this, that no, there is something no, better? No, because CBD no? is the most widely researched besides THC. Yeah. It is the most widely known and it's the most easy to control right now. And then it has to be about cost, about getting it. CBN, which is a very, very effective molecule, is extremely expensive to manufacture and produce. And that's why it's not going to be done. So again, on the manufacturer side, it's about a cost benefit and a cost risk analysis. And on the consumer side, it's the same thing. And on the manufacturer side and the selling side, it's all the same thing. Now, remember, you're sitting here listening to a clinician who knows nothing about business. But this is what I've learned over the last year to try to help you navigate this. So this is out there. And matter of fact, the delay of bringing this to the airports, you're already behind the curve. 
So it's not about waiting for CBG to come. It's about how do I get on this ride now, but do it safely and effectively. And I always stress safety. I always ex uh, um, express making sure that there's science behind it. And I like to practice what's called evidence-based medicine. I don't recommend it unless there's some evidence to support it. If you just wing it, then that's when you're gonna make mistakes. And if companies are just looking wow. to make a quick buck and get bad product, they're ultimately gonna lose in the long run. So I'd rather be the tortoise than the hare. I'd rather do it right up front, introduce it appropriately, be a little scared of it. I understand that because it's a new thing, but also move forward in the right way. Perfect. Well, I'm gonna do something that I was, didn't, wasn't expecting to do, but I can open up to any questions that anyone might have out there. I know it's gonna be difficult without a mic, might be loud, but I'll try to do my best sure, to repeat sure, it for sure. the record. So the question is, why is CBD so expensive now? That, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, it shouldn't be as expensive as it is. So two years ago, a kilogram of CBD isolate, which is what these companies had to buy to make their product, was $20,000 a kilogram. So companies like Canopy Growth and Tilray out of Canada, which has legalized marijuana, was spending $20,000 a kilogram. The market fell out, which is why a lot of companies are going to go bankrupt, and it's now $2,000 a kilogram. So the real players, like I've been mentioning, um, are making it and selling it at that $2,000. So the price should come down. But right now, it's a monopoly. So anything like that's a monopoly, it's not going to come down. So I do a lot of traveling and a lot of consulting in this industry. So if anybody's familiar with those tinctures, the little bottle, and they have to be colored because you know light ends up degrading it. So you get those colored bottles. It's usually about 30 cc's. And there could be 500 milligrams, 1,000, 3,000 milligrams in it. The cost will go up with the number of milligrams. If you're in Boston and you go into um, Newberry Street, that could be $100 for that 30 cc's. Uh, if I'm in Palm Beach County where I live, that could be $75. And if you're somewhere in Dayton, Ohio, that could be $45. So the market is what people are willing to pay. So again, in my world, I take insurance. If I'm going for fertility, they want to charge you $25,000 a month to have a baby. It's market demand. So I think there's a wide margin there. There's a lot of money to be made if you're on the seller side. I think the consumers are the ones that are sacrificing a little bit. I think certainly there's a markup of everything in the airports, certainly markup in hospitals. A Tylenol could be $12 in the hospital. So um, I think for you guys, that markup is something to take advantage of. I don't see that price coming down very soon because again, if you get into designer things and synthetic things, it's only gonna keep the price points where, price points where they are. So one of the things that I want to do, just to give you an example to put my money where my mouth is, is that I think as I educate more professionals, again, doctors and vets and dentists and those sports, you know, you'll be able to have these one-on-one -on -one conversations with your doctors and they'll end up providing product in the office. I'm always leery about doctors that are selling things, but I think that there are some things that providers can do better and maybe the price points will come down as, as it becomes more widely available. But it's artificially high for a reason, even though the cost to make it and to buy it now is, is low. That's a great question. Yes. I cannot overdose, correct. But I wouldn't chug that whole fat thing. So let me, so, let me yeah. I guess let me get one part of your question so it's because it's recorded. So in terms of milligrams, you're, you're asking, or he, you're asking him if you can, are able to overdose from it. Right, so great, great question. So let me take a step back and say, we all have our own endocannabinoid system. We all have our own insults, our sleep, our happiness, our anxiety and all that. So the adage, the saying in cannabis medicine, 
and I'm going to try to put it in that framework, is that you start low and you go slow. So again, if you have uh, tonsillitis and you go to your doctor and they give you penicillin, there's no 500 milligrams twice a day dose. So it's very individualized. So you would start at a very low dose, like maybe five to 10 milligrams a day. And then you would titrate up to based on what you're trying to achieve based on your own endocannabinoid system, which right now cannot be measured. Now, there are some companies out there to totally blow your mind because there's, what, there's a part of medicine which is called genomics, where you can go and give a little saliva or give a little substance and you could find out what your tolerance or threshold is for CBD or for- Is that like pro- a 23andMe? So, Ancestry.com, like 23 They're all morphing into, well, wow, Prozac doesn't work for me, but Zoloft does. Why? Because my genetic base, my individual, and they're starting to do that for CBD. So you may require 50 milligrams a day. And then if you think about it, if there's a thousand milligrams in that little thing you bought, how long is that gonna last you at 90 bucks a pop? Or you, or somebody who's 6'3", uh, 250 pound lineman for the Denver Broncos, since we're here in Denver, Denver, and they're all taking it, believe me, for athletic recovery and other reasons, they may require a thousand milligrams a day. And in the drug approval process, the kids were between, I think, six months and 30 years old and they were taking up to 20 milligrams per kilogram a day. I am a 70 kilogram adult. So I just used the math of 10 milligrams for my 70. That would be 700 milligrams. Nobody is taking that much. It's too cost ineffective and people are scared. So most people are taking a 25 milligram gummy maybe twice a day. I do know that the FSA, which is like the FDA in the United Kingdom, I have to be careful what I say now with Brexit, they have just come out, that's called the Food Substance Agency, I believe, came out with a maximum daily dose of 70 milligrams. That is actually fact, so you're asking about certification. Sure. So anybody has a global operation here, if you're in London Heathrow. So that's 70 milligrams a day is if I'm, am I going to my massage parlor and getting massage oil that has CBD in it? Am I going to Starbucks getting a CBD infused drink? Did I take my 25 milligram gummies? So right now, Britain is saying that 70 milligrams is the max. I think that the United States were gonna come out with 50 unless it's, you really are looking at what are your other medications you're on, will there be other uh, things? So right now, if you did take that 3000 milligram tincture, it would make you tired. That's a side effect, which is why a lot of people actually take it. It could make you sometimes a reverse. It could make you more anxious if you took too much. So there's what's called a bell curve. Too little is probably not gonna work. Too much is probably not a good thing and you wanna stay in it, right? So. Um, All of these are good questions. I could talk about hours about how your body would interact and the cellular mechanisms. And like I mentioned with opioids and and things like antidepressants. So there's so many ways and things that this can can function and work. So very good question. question Yes. So so in terms of- So there's two ways to enhance. One is to enhance that word bioavailability to get more into your bloodstream. So if you're gonna infuse in liquid products, there are what are called nano emulsifiers. So basically CBD is like a fat, it's called, it's lipids. And it doesn't go well with water. It's almost like vinegar and, and uh, I'm not a good cook, but vinegar and water in your kitchen. Okay, so you can't put CBD into water without getting something around it that has those lipids, those fats. So the nano emulsifiers will enhance your bioavailability by putting it into drinks. Also for, so what, what anybody here is selling in their stores in any of the airports, that's only going in the skin. You would need to have an enhancer 
to actually push it into the bloodstream through the skin. Okay, so that's part of the other, one, one of the enhancers. And the second enhancer you asked was how to, oh, turmeric, combining CBD. Yes, it can be combined with turmeric for bone health. It can be by, combined with magnesium and uh, met, um, uh, what do we take for sleep? Uh, Melatonin, thank you, for sleep. And there are a lot of products that are out there. So again, do we know the exact ratio of CBD, 25 milligrams with five milligrams of melatonin with a little bit of magnesium and maybe some calcium? There's a big area of research in bone health and osteoporosis for women uh, and things like that. So yes, you can combine it with a lot of different things. That is the way marketers and manufacturers get around how to market this because you can't make claims. The FDA gave 15 warning letters to companies in 2019 for claiming that if I took this, I don't have, I'm curing cancer or my migraines went away. But if you wanna say that cannabinoids can help with sleep, see how I phrase that? Because I put some CBD with something else in it that may be proven to help with sleep. That's how the marketers can bring it to the table. But you have to be very careful. You cannot make a claim that's not substantiated or you will be pulled and sanctioned. Yolanda? <laughs> So, yes. what's, so the question is, what's the difference between natural and synthetic? Right. So it's a great question. So synthetic, by definition, is man-made, and all the rest are derived from the plant. So there are no good, direct human studies to prove safety in any of these things. The hemp people will tell you synthetic is absolutely garbage and that you're losing what is called the entourage effect because it's not, if you're going to go, and again, we're getting deep into things that may not apply here, but there's isolated CBD, and then there's CBD, which is either called broad or full spectrum, which have other things from the plant that we believe have a synergistic effect. It's called in the industry, the entourage effect that also augments the, the thing that you're desiring to treat. So the synthetic would not have any of those augmenters to bring in that synergy. So but the, the people that are synthetic think that why would you go to something that's natural, that's so not processed, there's something that could be bad in there. And they're probably right on a small level too. So again, synthetic versus natural would be a very individual thing. If you're talking about selling, and let's say we're in a state or an airport that has to have 100% THC free, which I know you are, which is why I'm saying it, um, there are ways to get that both from a, a hemp plant and from, but you would not go to full spectrum or broad spectrum um, again, you know, the NFL athletes are probably not buying from Terminal A, you know, in Dallas-Fort Worth. They're probably on, on, the, on the general aviation side on their private planes. But you can bring in products that you can get um, either 100% THC-free. But again, to reiterate, the definition of essentially for us as consumers, THC-free, by our, certified by our federal government, is 0.3% or less. In the European Union, it's 0.2% or less. We're going to slowly move towards getting it to be completely THC free. And again, to answer your question, everybody else's, when is that gonna happen? When? And yes. that's the magical question. I would probably get a Nobel Peace Prize if I knew that right now, uh, or something that makes me feel good about myself, so. Perfect. Well, once again, thank you, Dr. Keith Aqua for this. Thank you very much. Thank I'm you guys thank very you so much. much. I and, tend um, to ramble, so I hopefully I kept the answer short. <laughs>